0: Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest. The sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given if even a beast touches the mountain it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made. In order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Father, open our minds and hearts to your truth today. Father, let us see a glimpse of this glorious kingdom from which you proclaim the gospel to us now. Father, let us see the beauty of Jesus work for us. God, fill our hearts with gratefulness. God, Forgive us for our excuses when we do not make your kingdom the priority of our lives. Father, help us to approach you with acceptable worship and reverence and awe. I want you to remember that the book of Hebrews is written to who? Hebrews. uh, They're Jewish, right? They're they're Jews who who had been living under the law, living under a works-based salvation. Uh, Stay away from there. And now they've made a profession of faith in Jesus, and they put their trust in him. But persecution has set in, and so some of them are going back. They're, they're, they're dabbling with going back to, hey, you know what? Maybe this Christianity is not for me. Maybe I should just, you know, be a good person, follow the laws, follow the rules. Maybe that's good enough to get me to heaven, that I can approach God, okay? Throughout the whole book, what, what, what have we been talking about? Jesus is better. You can't go back. You can't go back to this. 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 Be a good person. This. This. Follow all the rules. It doesn't work. You can't be saved that way. So you remember a, a month or so ago, we had the illustration of the of the one legged stool. Remember that? You know that that kind of represents this this idea that that uh, earthly sacrifices, bulls and goats, that an earthly priesthood. That that for us today in Oklahoma, what it would be is I, I'm I'm a good person. You know, I, I try to live a good life. I treat people well. I I, I try to do good things and that's what's going to make me okay with God okay? That's a one-legged stool. You can never rest your life upon it. And so the entire book of Hebrews is saying Jesus is better. He's a better sacrifice. He's a better intercessor. He's a better high priest. His shed blood is better. His work for us is better. Everything is better. You got to put your hope in Christ. Now, the culmination of that thinking, okay, that constant comparison that's been going on for, for what have we been in the Hebrews, almost nine months, eight months, okay? This constant comparison of, of the earthly things that they Heavenly things culminates here in this passage. Okay, so next next time I'm with you, we're going to be going into chapter thirteen, a very practical stuff about loving your brother, and then marriage and money and different things like that. Leaders, but 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 here in, in chapter twelve, the last section is this culmination of the, these two radically different ways of trying to approach God. Okay, now in this passage, he helps us by giving us a metaphor: two mountains. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about Mount Sinai and and we're going to be talking about mount zion okay so mount sinai mount zion those are these two mountains that he's contrasting okay now mount sinai if you remember mount sinai was where moses received the law do you remember that story where the children of israel come out of egypt they're rescued out of egypt they got in the wilderness and god uh gives moses the law on mount sinai you know what the law is right the commandments right this this is what it means to be my people these are my righteous standards right have no other gods before me don't make for yourself a graven image you know uh Honor your mother and father. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Honor the Sabbath day. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't don't lie. Don't covet. You know, don't commit adultery. all All the commands of God. So God gives that on Mount Sinai, all right? So Mount Sinai is the representation of the law. It's the representation of people trying to get to God, the attempt to get to God, by being good enough, by being righteous, okay? And then on the other hand, you've got Zion. Zion is the heavenly city, okay? Zion is the new Jerusalem. Zion is, is the, the heavenly city where God dwells, where Jesus sits right now and proclaims to us not a gospel of works, but a gospel of grace, a gospel of putting our trust and our life in Him and the kingdom that is coming, okay? So those are the two mountains that, that, that we are comparing today. Now, let's let's look at those one at a time, and then we're going to make some applications. So first of all, Mount Sinai, okay? So notice he said in verse 18, you have not come to that mountain, a physical mountain that can be touched, Mount Sinai, and then he describes it as a blazing fire. And darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice, whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. Okay? They could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Okay? That is Mount Sinai. Now here's what happened. God's presence came down on the mountain. Okay? Remember what happened when God's presence came down? Man, the mountain engulfs in flames, in smoke, in earth earthquakes and tremblings and shaking and, and, and there's this there's this terror that comes upon the people of God why did that terror come upon the people of God why because God's presence in his, is here and you can't stand before God why you're a sinner you can't be with God you don't match up to his standard listen to Exodus 19 verse 18 Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. And the smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln. The thing is just ablaze, okay? And the whole mountain trembled greatly. Verse 19, And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. All right? So you got the picture? I mean, the mountain is literally shaking, all right? It's smoking. It's ablaze with the holiness of God, and God speaks, and when he speaks, it is the roar of thunder, okay? His words sound like the peals of thunder. Now, I don't know if some of you remember. Does anybody remember when it used to rain here, when we used to have thunderstorms? Remember that? It's been a long time ago, uh, but it used to do that. Remember, the springtime especially, thunderstorms would come in, and you'd be outside playing, and all of a sudden, there'd be this crack. Crack of thunder, okay? Sometimes it would rattle your windows in your house. You, you know what I'm talking about? Now, that's really that's a good illustration. Even a better illustration is those of you who've been up in the mountains, okay? Now, if you've ever been up in the mountains when it's thundering and lightning, that is literally terrifying, okay? We've been up uh, doing peak hikes at, at, at Red Cloud or Journey Quest with our kids, with our students, and the thunderstorm will move in. And I love the guides. They're, you know, they're trained to be real calm. But they say something like this: All right, guys, everything's going to be. Be fine, we're going to be okay, but everybody needs to run, you know, go, you know, everybody get down, you know, it's going to be okay though, we're all going to be fine, run, you know, and, and just because when it thunders up there, I mean literally like the, the hair on your head stands up and it just, it like cuts right through, it is terrifying, okay, so, so that's the picture of Mount Sinai, okay, Exodus chapter 20, after God gives the law, verse 18 says, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet, And the mountain smoking. The people were afraid and they trembled and they stood far off. They're trying to get away. Verse 19 and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. All right. Some of you, you may still be in this mindset. I just need to be a good person, I just need to do good things. I don't need to give my life to Jesus. I don't need to wrap my life around faith in Christ and pursuing Him and and trusting completely in in Him. I I can just be a good person. Okay, now let 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 me clear application here. You can't get close to God that way. Does that make sense? You can't get close to Him, okay? And if you die and have to stand before Him, you will be consumed by His wrath. Okay? Because you, you're not holy. You're a sinner. Okay? You, you, you don't love the right things. You value the wrong things. You pursue the wrong things. You say the wrong things. You think the wrong things. You don't love God like you're supposed to. You don't love others like you're supposed to. You get angry and jealous and irritable and covetous and impatient and furious and lustful and bitter. And you can try to hide that from other people. But you can't hide that from God. You are broken on the inside. And you can't get to God. And when His presence is there, it will be nothing but fear and terror because you've rebelled against Him. And you're everything that He's not. And you're everything that you're not supposed to be. That's Mount Sinai. Now, That's not the mountain to which we've approached. Do you see that? Verse 18, you have not come to that mountain, all right? Verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the heavenly, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, okay? So this mountain over here is the mountain in which the resurrected Jesus Christ now sits and reigns at the throne of God, beside at the right hand of God. And Jesus is speaking to you a different message. His message is not... Try to be a good person. Try to obey all the laws. His message to you is, you're broken. Come unto me. Put your trust in me. Glorify me. Give your life to me live for this kingdom live for me okay be joined to Jesus by a faith relationship that's the message from Mount Zion the heavenly city now I want to take a little bit of time just because it's awesome okay to talk to you about this kingdom okay that he's talking about that, that God speaks to us now from Mount Zion Let, let's 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 talk just what it gives us here let's just go through it real quickly okay so verse 22 you've not come you or rather you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem, now notice this, to innumerable angels in festal gathering. What is happening right now in this kingdom? Let me tell you what's happening right now. There are innumerable, meaning myriads of myriads, thousands upon ten thousands of incredibly magnificent creatures called angels who are gathered together in festal gathering, okay? Now, if you remember in our our study through Daniel, we looked at a passage that that is really cool, I think. Daniel 7.10 talks about these myriads the mirrors of angels We'll begin in verse 9. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. Here's God taking his seat on the throne. His clothing was white as snow. His hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, and its wheels were burning fire. Verse 10, a stream of fire issued and came out from before him. And listen to this. Here's the picture of the angels. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. What are they doing up there? Well, I'll tell you what they're doing. Revelation chapter 5. I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Do you notice that every time it mentions the number is just incalculable? Okay, imagine as far as you can see are these magnificent creatures gathered around the throne. What are they doing? Verse 12. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that's in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and they worshipped. My friends, that is what is happening right now in the new Jerusalem in the Mount Zion now picture this innumerable angels and I just love this phrase we need to start using this phrase I challenge you to use it this week they're gathered in festal what does it say festal gathering you know what it says uh, innumerable angels in festal gathering how many of you have ever used the phrase festal gathering huh i mean that's a great phrase what does festal gathering means it means they're there to worship they're there to celebrate they're there to party okay you could use this couldn't you hey you're having a birthday party for uh, my son come in festal gathering all right so come on in other words you're going to come ready to celebrate ready to express your joy ready to be festive now i don't know what it looks like when myriads of Myriads of angels come together for a party. I don't know what that looks like, but it's happening in the scriptures every time the Bible shows us a glimpse of the new Zion, the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, where Jesus is, where he dwells and speaks the gospel to us today. That's what's happening there. And my question to you this morning, as we gather here in this room, to worship and celebrate the gospel that they're celebrating and worshiping, it makes me wonder, what are we missing? Anybody else wonder that? What are we missing? I mean, what are they so excited about? Uh, they've been there for millennia, thousands of years. Every uh, th- Can you imagine the days that the angels have existed there in that place, and yet, the, 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 the curtains are, are, are pulled open, and every time, Isaiah 6, Daniel 7, Revelation 5, I mean, every time, that's what they're doing. And, and I want to ask you, why are they doing that? I mean, they've been there for thousands of years. You would think it would be like, hey, Hank, hey, Bill, how are you? Well, another day in paradise. Here we go, you know, what's God got for us today? I mean, you would think it would be the ordinary, wouldn't you? You would think there would, there would be nothing new going on. But that's not the case every single time in the Scriptures. We see a picture of the new heavenly Jerusalem in which Jesus is proclaiming the gospel to us. The angels are gathered together in this festal gathering, in this celebratory worship, in this roar of praise and celebration and joy and eruption of gladness unto God. And again, I ask you, what are we missing? you ever been in a big stadium before? Maybe at a college football game or a... Uh, I don't know basketball game, something like that. You're in a big stadium and you're hungry. Your sweetheart wants something to eat, and so you go out, right? You go to the concession stand. You're standing in line. You're ordering your nachos and your Snickers and your pop, you know. And all of a sudden, I mean, it, it just spooks you. Even the, the the whole place erupts in a roar, right? And and and, the, and a lot of times it will shake. Even people are up on their feet and they're jumping and they're sh- and you can tell the place is shaking. And there's this roar. And what is your first thought? Your first thought is not. More cheese on the nachos, please. Your first thought is what? What did I miss? What happened? What did I miss? Okay, you just saw numerous times from the scripture, heavens peeled back, innumerable angels, highly intelligent, powerful creatures gathered together, thousands upon thousands upon ten thousands, been there for thousands of years, and they are erupting in this glorious praise. What are they seeing that we're not seeing? You guys were okay in your singing, but I'm telling you, you didn't look like that, okay? I mean, you just didn't. You still don't. Some of you just look like, oh, you know. Life is terrible. Church is long. I just, I mean, what are we missing? I think we're missing something. I think there's something about this that if our eyes would be open to it, we would be filled with, and we'll talk here in a minute. All right, who else is there? So God is there. Christ is there. Okay, innumerable angels and festal gathering. Verse 23. The assembly of the firstborn is there who are enrolled in heaven. Remember the Lamb's Book of Life? Revelation talks about that. Okay, so these folks who, who whose names are in the book of life are there. Uh, if you keep going in, in verse 23, it says, And God, the judge of all in this, is to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Who's there? The the sinners like us who have been made righteous by Jesus' blood, okay? Who's there? People who who have turned away from their sin, who have said, you know what? I'm not a good person. I can't get to God. I'm a sinner. I'll be destroyed if if I I try to get to God on my own. And so they've turned to Jesus Christ and they put their hope and their faith and their life in Christ. And because of that, they've been joined to Jesus Christ and they're made righteous in Him, okay? And and not only are are they made righteous, but they are now the Assembly of the firstborn. All right, now think about that, assembly, a bunch of people, okay? Firstborn, okay, the one that's born first. Now, how can they all be the assembly of the firstborn, okay? In the Bible, the firstborn always indicates inheritance, all right? That's the one. You know, if if you got it, I'm the firstborn son, so if we were still in Bible times, I'd get it all, okay? Jeremy gets nothing, Aaron gets nothing, I get it all. I, I would be the inheritor of what is my father's, okay? That's the way it worked in Bible times, all right? Who's the firstborn? Guess what? It's not you, and it's not me directly, we'll get there in a minute, you know who it is? It is Jesus. Jesus is the firstborn. He is the beloved son. Okay? Not that he's a created being. He's not. He, he's not at all. He is one with God. But he is the firstborn son. That He is the beloved son. He is the firstborn from the dead. Listen to Colossians 1:15. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. What's that mean? Verse 16. By him, all things are created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things created through him and for him. Jesus gets it all. He gets it all. He inherits it all from his Father. Verse 17. He's before all things. In him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Jesus is the inheritor. But again, remember the gospel. Why does it say the assembly of the firstborn, The spirits of, uh, of those made righteous and perfect. Why does it say that? Because if you're in the gospel, if you have turned away from trying to be a good person, try, trying to live your life, you know, for yourself and get to God on your own, if you've turned away from that and if you've turned and you've heard the word of the gospel and you've embraced the truth of the new kingdom and you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you are what? You are joined to Jesus, right? Ephesians says you're in Christ. And if you're in Christ connected to Jesus, then you inherit what he inherits. You're an heir, a fellow heir with Jesus Christ. Do you see that? So now you're the assembly of the firstborn. Now you have, First Peter says, In chapter one, you have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Okay? It never diminishes, it never grows old, it never breaks, it never fails you. That's the inheritance you have as the assembly of the firstborn. So who's there? Innumerable angels roaring in celebration unto God and what He's done. Who's there? The assembly of the firstborn, those who are in Christ, who are gathered together. will be there someday if you put your faith in Christ, inheriting all that the Father has for us. Who else is there? Verse uh, twenty. 24, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Jesus is our mediator. He is between us and God. And his new covenant is this. You couldn't do the old covenant. You couldn't obey God. You didn't follow his rules. You didn't follow his commands. So now, Jesus' new covenant is this. Jesus says, I'm going to do your part and I'm going to do my part. I'm going to do both our parts. I'm going to be righteous on your behalf, in your behalf. I'm going to die for your sins. I'm going to take care of it for you. You've got to put your trust in me. Okay? Jesus is there, the mediator of a new covenant. Now, All of this is is forming up. Do you you see what he's doing? He's doing the same thing he's been doing all through the book of Hebrews. He's saying, don't go back to this. Go here. This is better. This is infinitely, gloriously, majestically better. The gospel is what you must give your life to and and, and to spurn this message, okay? The message you just heard, to poo-poo that, okay? To ignore that, to refuse that, to make excuses for this. Is an infinite insult to the Father. That's what he's saying. There's a there's a balance thing here. He's saying, man, if if to refuse this meant death, what's it going to mean to refuse this? If this was an insult to God to not be able to live, what's it going to mean to what's it going to mean to blow off the gospel? Do you, do you see that balance thing? It's like it's like it's comparing, right? It's like if I'm walking down a a crowded street and someone bumps into me, you know, just an accident, but they bump into me, and I'm like, hey, what's the deal? You know, I'm real rude to them. That's an insult, okay? But what if we're at Niagara Falls, okay? And my little haven's looking at the falls, and she starts to slip and go over the falls. And Avery grabs onto her, and Avery's got her, but then she starts to fall. And Haddon grabs onto Avery, and he's got, but then he starts to go. And Addie grabs onto Haddon, but then they all start to totter. And Hannah grabs onto all, all, all of the rest of them, but then she starts to go. And Emma grabs on. She's not hardly any help at all. And then I get them, you know, but I can't hold them. It's too much for me. And here comes this strong man and grabs me around the middle and jerks me and my entire family over over the falls and saves our life and I immediately go put your hands off me what are you touching me for that's a worse insult is it not ok and so so, so it, 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 it's a dangerous thing to take the law of God and say hey I don't care I don't care that you said don't covet. I don't care that you said don't commit adultery. I don't care that you said don't lust. I don't care that you said don't steal. I don't care that you said I should have no other gods before me. That's a serious matter. Even more serious is to hear this gospel from heaven of what Jesus has done for you and not to respond appropriately. Okay, that's the comparison that keeps being made here. It's that principle. So I ask you, what is the appropriate response to what we have heard from heaven. What's the appropriate response? Several things here. Okay, we're going to go quick. Verse 25, okay. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Did you hear that? See that you do not refuse him who's speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. Man, it was uh, it was a great moment this morning. Early this morning, I was on my computer. I was trying to put this together. I'm struggling because it's got so many moving parts. You know, you got this mountain explaining all this, and this mountain explaining all this. And I'm really struggling to try to you know get this. And and I clicked on the word. I've got a Bible program that shows me the Greek. It takes me right to a Greek dictionary. And I clicked on that word, refuse. See that you do not refuse. Him. And I thought, what what exactly is that word? Because later on it says reject, you know, and they're synonymous. And so I click on that word refuse. Here's the definition to make a request, to decline, to make an excuse. At first I was like, what? To make a request, to decline, to make an excuse. And so see that you do not make a request, decline, make an excuse. Then it clicked. Actually, it was a parable in Luke 14 that made it all come together for me. But do you see what he's saying? He, he's saying, when you hear this, when you hear of this kingdom, this kingdom that Paul tells us we can be a citizen of right now, we can possess this, this gospel, when you hear of this, make sure your response is not an excuse, a declining. This will make it make sense. Luke 14, verse 15. When when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Jesus said this. A man once gave a great banquet. It's right here. A man once gave a great banquet, okay? Great, okay? Food, pleasure, celebratory. Festal gathering, okay? A great banquet, okay? And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, come, everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field. I must go see it. Well, that makes sense, right? All right, yeah. man. You got a piece of property. Well, that takes a lot of attention and time and devotion, and and you know, man, I can't, I can't come. I can't, I can't, I can't give my life to this over here. I, I, I will, but I, I got to get a sewer line put in, and I got to get electrical service put in. The thing's got to be mowed. I got to get a fence put up. You know, I got to get the foundation poured. I got to get the the rock work. Out. I, I, I got to get all this done, right? I, I got, but I, I, so I'm sorry. I'm declining. I request of you your your understanding that I'm not going to give myself to your invitation. Verse 19, another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. Man, think of that. That's a big investment back in those days. Those are five tractors, okay? Five yoke of oxen. I got to go examine them. Please, have me excused. I refuse. I decline your invitation, and another said, "I've married a wife." Now that that I'm almost with him on there, you know that's a big job. You know, man, you got I got I got something pressing on me here. Therefore, I cannot come. And the servant came and reported these things to the master. And then the master of the house, don't miss this, became angry. Why? Why not just hey, more food for us? Why is he angry? He has prepared this glorious banquet, this incredible invitation, this gracious act. And depending on how you respond to that, you insult the master. Don't refuse him who's speaking. If God is speaking of this kingdom, of this glorious gospel, then make sure you're not the one saying, you know what? We're, I got a lot on my plate right now, though. You know, I'm really busy. Unlike everybody else, I'm really busy. You know, uh, I've got I've got this land. I've got these tractors. I've got this sporting event. I've got these kids. I've got this family. We've got this going on, and so we can't 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 give ourselves to this. I, I'm please. I, I request a decline. What should be our response to this gospel? Make sure that you don't make excuses for why you're not all in. Do you hear what I'm saying? All in. Number two, what should be our response? Verse 28, gratitude. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken what is gratitude? Gratitude is that that inner feeling of fullness, that, that that expression of, God, what you have given is awesome, God. I am personally grateful for the riches that you, you have given to me. It is, that, is this inside feeling. And what exactly are we to be grateful for? We're to be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's what verse 28 says. Grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Now, what is that about? What that's about is, notice up in verse 26, he says, is that at this time, back in Sinai, remember, God's voice shook the earth, okay? But notice what he says, yet once more, and I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens, in other words, the entire universe. And this phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Let me tell you what Jesus is going to do very soon. He is going to shake the heavens and the earth, okay? In, In one move he is going to shake the entire thing and everything that is not in here right here will be destroyed it will all be lost it will all be burned up second peter chapter 3 tells us about this. Verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and all the works that are done in it will be exposed. Since these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in holiness and godliness? Isaiah 13, 13, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will be shaken out of its place at the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of His fierce anger. My friends, do you understand how valuable it is to have so something that will not disappoint or just be destroyed very soon that's this kingdom that's what he's saying let our hearts be full of gratitude that God is preparing God is giving God has given if you're a believer he has given something that will never disappoint you it will not fade away it will not be taken it will not be destroyed it will only grow it will only get better it will only be more joyful as the, as the years go by. That is what is in that kingdom and we are to be thankful for a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Psalm 16, verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken so number one we ought, a fee, we ought to feel a sense of fullness okay so as we come here today as we come together as the people of god there ought to be a sense of fullness in us there ought to be a sense of of, of, of wow of gratitude of what god has given is incredibly good we ought not come here today feeling empty because of the kingdom that has been given to us that cannot be shaken so number one we ought not refuse him who's speaking. Number two, we should be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Number three, verse 28, and let us offer to God acceptable worship. Acceptable worship. Okay, now again, I want you to notice the little word thus in verse 28. Thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship. That's never gonna happen unless your heart's full of gratitude, okay? Unless this gospel impresses you, unless what I just told you about Jesus You're in awe of that. That Jesus, the Son of God, would come and live a perfect life and die a sacrificial death and bring you into Himself as an heir, as as enrolled in heaven, as, as a son of the kingdom. And that that kingdom is coming. And right now, it's happening. It's a place. It's somewhere right now. And you have the anticipation of coming into that kingdom. It is yours. And it cannot be taken away. And it cannot be shaken. If, if, if gratitude is not in your heart, it's going to be really hard for you to fulfill this next thing. Let us offer to God acceptable worship. What does acceptable worship look like? Worship is simply showing worth to God, right? And it certainly could be things like, if we go over into chapter 13, Don't neglect to do good and share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Absolutely, my friends. Absolutely. Ought you to live in such a way. Ought you to treat your neighbor and your wife and your husband and your kids in such a way that says God is worthy and He's valuable. But I want to back you up a little bit. Okay? Hebrews 13, verse 15. Some of you are going to try to get off the hook and man, I want to just nail you to it today. Right Through Him... Then, are you with me? Hebrews 13, 15. Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. Now I want you to notice how specific that God. Let us offer to God... A continual sacrifice of praise, okay? So if this is real, if I believe this, if I am grateful for this kingdom and this gospel, what does it say? Then let me offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. And it's very specific, the fruit of my lips that acknowledge His name. It's an important thing. The angels are doing it. Right now, innumerable angels, tens upon thousands upon thousands of angels gathered in festal gathering, glorifying the Lord with the voices God has given given them, ascribing honor to Jesus and glory to Jesus and praise to Jesus. And we are the ones that were bought by the blood of Christ. And should we dare not use our lips to bring glory to Him? I know what some of you're going to say. You're going to say, "I don't sing because I love my brothers, and I am so hideously bad, so horrible that it, it would just ruin everybody's time here if I would sing." I think most of you are lying. Okay, a few probably are telling the truth. I've 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 actually met one in my in my. Tw- 42 years of church life. They probably were telling the truth. Maybe you're one of those. I'll tell you what, I'd find another way. I'd mouth the words. I'd, I'd speak them instead of sing them. First service, I just remember this song we sang this morning. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. I think it's the second verse. Let thy grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. I think that's what he's talking about right there. Would you speak his praise with your mouth? But don't go this week without doing that. Don't go this, don't go through the week without saying to your kids, man, isn't God glorious? Isn't he awesome? Let's talk about the gospel. I like to, when I get my kids down in bed, I like every once in a while I like to just say, hey, I want you guys to tell me the gospel. I want to hear it out of your mouth. I want you to tell me what Jesus has done. I want you to explain it to me. I want you to talk about it. You tell me the gospel. Bless your daddy by letting me hear it from your lips. Acceptable worship. Final thing, then we're done. Verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship and then notice with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Now, the interesting thing about, me, about that to me, reverence and awe, reverence and awe. All through this book, draw near to God, draw near to God. Draw, I think about chapter 10, um, since we have such a great high priest over the house of God, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith. Over and over in the book of Hebrews, it tells us Jesus is your representative. Jesus stands Before God. In your place. Okay? And He invites you to come. He invites you to come in prayer. He invites you to come in petition. He invites you to come with your needs. You can come. Get near to God. Because of Jesus. Through Jesus. Draw near. But my friends, that, that does not mean that we should ever get where we are familiar. I don't know if that's the best word. You know what I'm saying? Where... Where the grace of God is familiar to us. Where the grace of God is ordinary to us. Where we can come sing, Come, thou fountain of every blessing. And it's just mouthing the words. We come to this. You know why those angels aren't every day? Hey, Hank. Hey, Bill. You know why they aren't? Because they're in the presence of God. So every day for eternity, they are blown away. The place is shaking. Fires pouring forth from the throne. They see the glory of God. And if you see it, then you will come in reverence. I think we need more reverence. Don't you in our churches? I, I love the fact that, that we are very... We're very friendly the Lincoln Avenue, especially this service, very friendly. But man, there also ought to be a part of us that we know we're approaching something incredible. Ah, glorious. Let us respond rightly to the gospel in which we come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Jesus, that you are our mediator. That your sprinkled blood cries out not for justice like the blood of Abel, but for mercy. Jesus, we are thankful for a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We're thankful for an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading. We're thankful for the forgiveness of our sins and the righteousness of Christ. And Lord, we bless you with our lips. We praise you with our words. We acknowledge your name. God, we don't want to refuse you today. God, as you speak to us, we don't want to put you off. We don't want to ignore you. We don't want to make excuses for our life. But God, we we want to receive your truth and obey it. Father, speak. In Jesus' name, amen.